You're listening to Voices of Family, a monthly podcast series from the BC Council for Families. Each month, we bring you thought-provoking discussions with notable figures and frontline workers in the family service community. Voices of Family takes you inside family services to hear what's new and on the horizon, making life better for BC families. Welcome to the latest edition of Voices of Family. This is Jennifer Dales, Director of Planning and Projects, and I am here in the Council office talking to Dr. Carol Matasicki. Carol is the former Executive Director of the BC Council for Families. After many years leading the Council, Carol stepped away from our organization, but she has continued her work on behalf of families as a consultant and volunteer for many other community initiatives. We asked Carol, a long-term champion of parents and families, to chat with us today about what she's been up to lately as she continues her work to strengthen families and our sector. Carol, thanks so much for being here with us. We're really pleased to chat with you. And Jen, I'm always pleased to chat with you. Oh, good. Well, we'll see how it goes after I grill you with all of these tough questions. Okay. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is, Basically, do you think our society recognizes how important families are? Uh, I guess my answer to that, Jen, would be I don't think society recognizes how important families are. But if you ask individual people what's the most important thing in their life, most of them will say, it's my kids, my family, that's what's important to me. But I think we, we take families for granted and I think we tend to pay attention to them when things go wrong, but I really don't think we look at how we can better support them to be as strong as they can be and to uh, not be challenged so much. Mm -hmm. It is so strange, isn't it, because people do identify it as important when you ask them about their personal life, but then it seems like there's something, the bigger picture gets missed. Do you have any ideas about why it is that prevention still seems to be viewed as expendable when we have all of the research that shows that prevention dollars offer a good return on the investment? Well, that has been my song and dance, Jen, for about 30-something years, (laughs) I think. And uh, if you remember, I used to speak about the the diligent, unspectacular work of prevention. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the challenge is that most people... um, we, we seem to be, I guess, I guess, a very reactive society, mm-hmm. that when something goes wrong, we react to it and we pay attention to it. But I guess what I would like to see is, given the research, given what we know about what it is that creates uh, better situations for, for people, individuals, and families, why we don't act on that uh, is that it's seen as long-term. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm beginning to believe that those of us who work in the area of prevention have got to start positioning it as something that is good for the health and well-being of British Columbians. And I'll talk a little later probably about board voice because mm-hmm. we're trying to position the community social service sector as a sector that truly, truly contributes to the health and well-being of British Columbians. Mm-hmm. And that if we contribute to their health and well-being, presumably we are not going to be impacting the health care system down the road. Mm -hmm. I also think that in the area of prevention, 
we have to start showing that there are some quick successes. Mm -hmm. It isn't going to take five, ten years to see the impact of, let's, for an example, say a parent who goes to a parenting education class or a family resource program. That parent very, very quickly begins to generally feel a lot more empowered. They feel they're not alone in the issues that they're dealing with. And that's pretty quick. That can happen in a matter of a few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we have to start showing that prevention isn't just a long-term thing and that we've got to um, wait 10 years for something positive to happen, that its results can be pretty fast. And I guess, you know, the other reality all the time in terms of the kinds of funds that organizations get for prevention is that um, it, it doesn't have the drama the, that other issues have. It is, uh, I've often equated it to housework. Um, when housework gets done, no one notices. But when it's not done, you know what happens. You bet everyone yeah. notices. Yeah. yeah, everybody notices. So do you think that it a little bit has to do with how we tell our story? I, th I think so. I think we have to do a far, far better job of telling the story about the kind of work that gets done day in and day out by the, the hundreds of organizations in our province that really have a primary focus on prevention. So when you think about our sector as a whole, can you identify what you would say the most pressing issues are that we're facing? I mean, it seems like we're facing yeah. a lot of issues these yeah. days. Um, I think the sector, Jen, and certainly in my career and in my experience, um, is, is such a diverse sector. And for many, many years, I've, I've believed that we have to start thinking like a sector. We are actually a big force in this province. I think I've, I've got my stats right. This sector, the community social service mm -hmm. sector, contributes about 7% to the uh, GDP of mm -hmm. province, and it is a very significant employer. It is it oversees millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh, but somehow we haven't thought as a sector. We have thought uh, we think of ourselves as many subsectors. We're childcare, we're women's transition houses, we're family support, maybe drug and alcohol, senior services, but we haven't got what I would call that. I'll use the word solidarity and how we think about our sector. Yeah, we're thinking and in pieces, in pieces of rather so than uh, what does this sector writ large contribute this problem? And I think we have to, if you will, without sounding too corny here, kind of hold hands and realize that we're all in this together and collectively we make a huge contribution not only to the economic uh, state of our province but to the health and well-being of British Columbians. So I know that um, you were always a champion of collaboration and also a really good example because you seem to be involved in many successful collaborations and we probably all know that sometimes collaboration is not easy and sometimes things end up being worse mm -hmm. when organizations collaborate when instead they really could yeah. be stronger. So I'm just wondering if you have any advice or thoughts about what it was that made collaboration easy yeah. for you. Well, I don't know that it was easy. I guess I've always, Jen, believed that uh, social issues are very, very complex. 
nobody owns them and nobody by themselves can address them. That I've always believed, and I think it was Dan Offord, uh, who's a fabulous uh, human being and cared so much about children and families. Uh, I remember hearing him many, many years ago say that it's generally a constellation of factors that creates a social issue. And we can only address that issue if we look at a constellation of causes or a constellation of solutions. And I guess um, the tall and short of it for me is that um, nobody owns an issue and that the issues that we're dealing with are societal issues. And there are many, many people in our society that can bring their skills and their expertise to solve these these mm -hmm. issues. So I don't think collaboration is easy. Uh, and I want to just give an example. Um, currently I'm sitting on a, a board of trade committee that's called the Social Development Committee. It's mainly business people at the table, but there are a few of us who have been for many years involved in the community social service sector. And we have just uh, put forward to the Canadian Chamber of Commerce a resolution on homelessness. Now okay. it is not, uh, and I, I won't go into the, all the detail, but it is not easy for the Canadian Chamber of Commerce to bring a resolution to their AGM. Mm -hmm. It has to go through several, several stages before it is a resolution that will be brought to their AGM. And we have just found a way to, uh, with business people at the table and community people, to say there is a better way to deal with homelessness in our society. It's not necessarily putting more money on it, but developing a plan, a comprehensive plan, rather than you know that piece and shotgun kind of approach of throwing money at issues. Uh, so that's an example to me of nobody owns the issue, but the solution I think has to be addressed by mm -hmm. many, many players. And a collaboration with business, which is yes, sometimes yes. something our center yeah. might not always yeah. uh, think we've, of we've or, many or be ways. able to manage. Yeah. I think we, we've thought that this is our work to do this, and it, truly it is. We are, I think, the champions of trying to address social issues and trying to, to build the health and well-being of, of children and families. Uh, but there are a lot of other people out there that could be our allies that I think we, we need to engage much mm -hmm. more than we have been. But again, I, I'm, I've been around long enough to know those things take time, take energy, and they take commitment. Well, especially when you, when you have people telling you that personally family and yeah. these sorts of issues are very important to them, it's just translating mm -hmm. that personal into a, a sort of a, a bigger initiative for the community. Exactly. So. Well, I know that you're working with Board Voice, and the focus of Board Voice is to strengthen nonprofit boards. And so I'm wondering if you can just um, tell people who don't know too much about that right. organization yeah. what you're trying to do and, yeah. and how it's going. Yeah. Um, I am very, very excited, Jen, about Board Voice. Uh, it is kind of the new kid on the block, you will, in the community social service sector. And it actually evolved out of a conversation that some executive directors had almost two years ago now. And basically they said, you know, we really do not have in our province a forum or an opportunity for the governors, the mm -hmm. board members of organizations to get together 
to uh, champion the importance of the community social service sector. So um, in 2009, uh, well actually 2008, a group of us got together and we formed um, a planning committee to kind of explore this idea of having an organization that would bring the voice of board members from all of our subsectors. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't just be uh, people who work in childcare or people who work in family support. It would represent the diversity of the sector and we would form an organization that would bring their voice uh, to the issues of the sector. Because again, if you think about it, Jen, the, um, as an executive director, I often went with to government, uh, often took a board member with me to say, you know, here are some issues we're really concerned about. But I think there's the perception sometimes that paid staff are self-serving, right. you know, they're just trying to build their little empire. Exactly, defending <laughs> yeah, our turf. Defending our turf, all of those kinds of things, which I don't believe is true for a minute, mm -hmm. but that can be the perception. Right. You're just trying to get your organization on the radar screen mm -hmm. so that you get the money so someone else doesn't. Right. Anyhow, um, the uh, board members, by the very nature of being board members, are volunteers. Mm -hmm. And I think we can safely assume that most board members truly care about what's going on in their communities. Um, and they are actually responsible for billions of dollars of funding. And so I think it's in all our best interests to better support the role of board members. But we also um, have, as one of our goals for Board Voice, to strengthen the governance capacity of organizations. Okay. So we um, we had our founding conference uh, last November 2009. Uh, we're having our second conference this October, and we, uh, for both these conferences, will have sessions that uh, focus on strengthening board members in their role as board members. Okay. But another role we hope to have is to be uh, what I would call a governance to governance body. That the governors of the nonprofit organizations can speak to the governors, the politicians of mm -hmm. our province, and not always uh, just uh, speak to the bureaucrats, but speak to the um, the po political level. Okay. And we have done quite a bit of that actually. Oh, good. Um, then I guess the the last goal we have for Board Voice is to. Um, try to raise the profile of the importance of the sector. And we've worked, we've done a lot of op-ed pieces. Uh, anytime we do a briefing to uh, a cabinet minister or a politician, we talk about this sector and its contribution to the health and well-being of British Columbians. Let's see it as an investment mm -hmm. in people's lives rather than as a drain. So we're trying to say, uh, let's focus more on the social determinants of health because those are the things that truly make people healthy. And if we can do a better job at that end, presumably it will not have as much impact on, let's say, the criminal justice system mm -hmm. or the healthcare system. So anyone who is involved with any sort of board in, our, in the community it, social service sector yeah. could take a look at Board Voice oh, and, and look into the yeah. 
sort of the training mm -hmm. of strengthening the board and yes. then also the advocacy piece that board members That's can right. do with a little right. bit more freedom than perhaps the yeah. paid staff. Paid staff. Absolutely, Jen. Any um, membership in Board Voice is open to any uh, community social service organization in the province mm -hmm. and they can take out membership and have a designated person on their board to be sort of the contact person. Okay. And then we have uh, a board of directors from every region of the province, mm -hmm. and we will be having an annual general meeting this October. And uh, we have a couple of vacancies which we are seeking nominations for. Oh, okay. We probably have sufficient nominations now, but people can oh, always uh, nominate from the floor. And uh, we have, I think, a very, very exciting conference, and uh, very much with a focus on how can we provide board members with more support to be champions in their own community, mm -hmm. in their own corner points. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think uh, it's going to, it's very exciting. It's, and it's the commitment I've seen from uh, the board members around the province has been very exciting. We have a board uh, meeting once a month, all by teleconference, okay. and we try to have at least one face-to-face, -face, if not two face-to-face -face meetings a year. But it's a young organization. A whole new organization. That's really yeah, exciting right. to be there yeah, from the beginning. It is. It's very exciting, Jan. And, um, and the interesting thing is um, the fellow who is the chair of Board Voice is someone who works for Canaccord Capital. Okay. And so I think that's the, one of the, the very interesting things about a board, like Board Voice, is that these are board members who don't necessarily work in the sector. They care about their community, and they want to bring their voice to raising the importance of this whole sector. So speaking of raising our voices, recently there was a meeting of the Select Standing Committee um, talking about child poverty, and you had the opportunity to give a presentation. Can you tell us a little bit about what you talked about in your presentation? Well, um, an issue like child poverty uh, and how to solve child poverty has got to be an absolutely huge, huge issue. And again, as I said just a little earlier, um, it's my observation that most social issues are the result of a constellation of factors and that there's no magic bullet solution to the issue. I was not the only speaker um, that presented to the Select Standing Committee on Child uh, Poverty. Several of us actually said that what we need to do is start focusing on the social determinants of health. We know what it is that makes people healthy and certainly adequate income is one of those key factors that contributes to people's health and well-being. If that's not there, other things just will not be part of a person's or child or family's life. Mm -hmm. So let's start focusing more on the social determinants of health. I think it's fair to say that I would say in British Columbia we're definitely slipping. In Canada we are slipping. And in a fairly recent 2008 OECD report, there were 30 developed nations that were uh, surveyed. Canada was identified as being one of two showing the greatest increase in income inequality and poverty during the period from the 1900s to the mid-2000s. That's not a very impressive record for no. a country as, as affluent as our country is. No, that's and not I, where I, we want to be at that's all. That's not where we want to be. Um, 
our investment, another social determinant of health, of course, is the importance of, of early child development. And again, Canada does not rank well at all in OECD countries in terms of our investment in early child development. So I think right there, there are two social determinants that if we paid more attention to them, uh, again, poverty would not be solved totally ever, I'm sure, but we would go a long way to addressing it. I also um, tried to, to show in my presentation that there are six other provinces who have developed a poverty reduction strategy, and uh, the most recent one, as far as I, I can make out, is Ontario. Mm -hmm. They started a poverty reduction strategy in 2008. And again, I was very pleased to see that their approach to it is that it is everybody's responsibility. You can't just leave it to government, you can't just leave it to the community, but business, labor, all players uh, have a role to, to play in addressing it. And they have set um, targets and outcomes and measures, and I will be very curious to see how it goes, because Ontario is also having a challenging time economically, mm -hmm. as we are, as the country is, and I think that um, uh, we'll, we can maybe learn a lot from what they're doing. And um, again, a lot of the speakers that day focused on this issue as a health issue. Mm -hmm. It's all about creating a healthy population. And I came across um, a very interesting little, uh, I don't know where I saw it, but it was a poster that I saw somewhere. And it said, health is a rewarding job with a living wage. Health is having food on the table and a place to call home. Health is having options and opportunities Health is a good start in life, and health is community belonging. Mm -hmm. And I think to me that wraps up some of the key social determinants. Mm -hmm. And if we could kind of have that as our mantra, I think mm -hmm. we could start addressing some of the very, very severe social issues that we have. Well, so I'm glad that your voice was there. I was, I was honored, Jen, actually, to have an opportunity mm -hmm. to, to do this. Uh, my hope would be that um, the Select Standing Committee would take their findings and, and I don't know that they can make recommendations, mm -hmm. but that this issue will not just be a report on a shelf somewhere. Mm -hmm. That, that there will be some action, someone. that mm -hmm. will influence some action in the province. Because again, um, I remember when I first started in this field, uh, I would say things like how important it is to support parents and, and I would be challenged, well, how do you know if you support parents that mm -hmm. they're going to be better parents? Maybe it's because they went bowling on a Friday mm -hmm. night with their friends. And mm -hmm. I would say that too, because social connection mm -hmm. is a good thing for people. Because there, 25 years ago, we did not have the research that shows what needs to be in place in order to support the healthy development of children and families. And now we have that research in spades, and we're still not acting on it. And we have a lot of data, and um, I've heard it said many times that if there's no data, there's no problem. If there's no problem, there's no action. Well, we can't say now that we don't have the data. Yeah. There is the data, we do have some problems, but we also have some good direction for finding some solutions mm -hmm. to these issues. Yeah, we're so. all ready to take action. You bet. You bet, yeah. Jen. Exactly. Well, and it's not easy, you know. It's
it's it's not easy, but um, no, but nothing good is easy, isn't it? No, so absolutely. it's worth it's absolutely. worth the work. Yeah. Well, I want to say thank you so much to Carol for this great interview, and I wanted to say, Carol, you were such a great executive director, a wonderful mentor, and really an example of someone who believes in the importance of families and parenting. We are so grateful for all of your work at the BC Council for Families and for our sector. So thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. Those of you listening to this podcast who are interested in learning more about Carol's submission on child poverty will find more on this topic in the most recent issue of Family Connections. The quarterly magazine members of the BC Council for Families receive. Information about becoming a member is available on the Council's website which is www.bccf.ca. Thanks so much for listening, and thank you, Carol. You're very welcome, Jen. That wraps it up for this episode of Voices of Family. Check the BC Council for Families website next month for another episode on the latest in family services at www.bccf.ca. To keep our series relevant and engaging to family service professionals, we're listening to your feedback from the listener survey located on the Learning Network webpage below the podcast player. Let us know your thoughts on this episode and tell us who you'd like to hear interviewed. Thanks, and see you next time.